Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in the Press Row. Jonas Siegel here in Seattle. And I hope everyone is doing exceptionally well. I hope you're getting used to staying home. I hope you're healthy. I hope you're reducing your outside visits to only those essential things that you need. Uh, Very excited to be joined by somebody new to me in the show. Uh, Benny or Benjamin Ricciardi, based in New York, who is a fantasy hockey, not fantasy hockey, a fantasy sports guru. Uh, he is with the Elite Fantasy Network. Benny, how are you? Ah, doing pretty good, Jonah. Thanks for having me on. So you are based in uh, Wuhan North, I believe, just outside New York City in New Jersey. Is that right? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm in Weehawken, New Jersey. So right over the, uh, the New Jersey side of the Lincoln Tunnel that leads to the city. So yeah, I mean, we're, we're pretty much ground zero right here. I've uh, been stuck in a house for a couple weeks at this point, and um, so far so good. So I've been able to avoid the, uh, avoid the virus. Well, hopefully you and yours are staying healthy. You're uh, not going too batty and you're getting whatever it is that you need from the outside world in in the uh, safest way possible. Yeah, that's it. I mean, you know, big, uh, big thank you to the people at Walmart and Target for uh, (laughs) keeping me in toilet paper in these rough times right now. Right. Um, So uh, I got to tell you, like, it's got to be. So, so you've been in, in uh, fantasy sports for a long time. Um, I don't think you ever predicted a day like today uh, or a time like these. I was joking with somebody the other day that, you know, it used to be that one dark day during the summer after the Major League Baseball All-Star Game, like that quiet day where the sports world literally stopped. It was like the only day of the year nothing was going on. Yeah. And yet here we are, we're now looking at weeks with nothing going on. Uh, how's that going for you? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, definitely, it's definitely something that took a little bit of getting used to. I mean, this is normally the time of the year where I'm spending the nighttime doing some research and writing up a basketball article and then spending my mornings doing some research and writing up a baseball article or, you know, putting out a podcast, a live stream, something along those lines for our subscribers. Nowadays, we're basically left with, uh, you know, we're, we're doing some horse racing stuff over in the uh, sports betting uh, website that we have right now. Uh, the fantasy website, really, we got esports left. Occasion uh, Belarusian soccer game that goes off at this point in time. Um, and then hopefully the, uh, the MMA stuff, which is supposed to be starting back up right now. I mean, basically, we operate three websites. We have one for season-long fantasy sports over at fantasyguru.com. We have one for daily fantasy sports at elitefantasy.com. And then we have one on the sports betting side that we started up, you know, basically when, uh, you know, when the USA kind of started passing those laws and, you know, my state, New Jersey being the first one after Las Vegas to hop in on it. And honestly, we went from offering, I mean, we basically offered, you know, every sport from, from the major ones all the way down to, you know, things like NASCAR and tennis as well. 
And now we're sitting around with, uh, like I said, we're down to basically horse racing, esports, and MMA as the only uh, competitive things going on right now. So I'll tell you a funny story. Um, early 90s, I was working in Detroit uh, for the, the Pistons. They had a minor league hockey team. And a buddy of mine ran a web shop in Toronto. They were like one of the first companies that would help another company build a website. Um, that's how early days we're talking. And he and I worked on a project together. We actually tried to build a fantasy hockey website, basically scraping content and data from, remember Stats Incorporated? I'm not sure if there's still a thing. Yep. You know, yep. The, the leagues themselves didn't do a very good job. I think Stats or MLB, at one point, you could subscribe to a fax service where you could, you could either call them up or somehow give them your lineup. And then every morning you would get a fax uh, for those of you who too young to know what a fax is, it used to come across basically a printer <laughs> and you'd get your daily report on how your team did the night before. Um, but the idea was basically to set up probably what many folks have today. Like Yahoo didn't have one. ESPN certainly didn't have one. We played around in that space. How did, uh, unsuccessfully, I might add, how did, uh, how did you get started in it? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I started, you know, I started playing back when I was a kid. So, I mean, we're talking over 20 years ago at this point. And I, I go back to the same days you're talking about right now. I remember when we used to have to get the newspaper on Monday morning and actually do the stats ourselves and uh, figure out, you know, who scored the most fantasy points and things like that. You know, I went to college, studied business, went into the business world for a little while. And then how I really got it started in fantasy is I, I started writing a blog um, just about, you know, fantasy and, and, and fantasy sports games I was playing. You know, I started having a little success and people started asking me, how are you doing this? How are you winning? And, you know, I've always been good with communication. So I was able to kind of, you know, just start this blog and it, and it picked up a lot of steam, started getting a lot of people reading it, you know, people retweeting it and things like that. Forgive me for the background noise. I'm actually uh, quarantined here with my kids at home right now. So it is, it trying, is, to, trying to keep them a little... <laughs> Ordinarily, yeah, I'm to cut you off and mute you, but it is the new normal, so we're just going to proceed. Yeah, so, um, you know, they're, they're kind of calming down. But anyway, that's how I started off. I had a, a blog, and I won a couple awards for the blog that, you know, I started doing and started getting some interest from some of the bigger companies in the industry. So, Roto, you know, I worked for RotoWire for a little while, who's, a, you know, a big name in the fantasy space. What really kind of put me on the map, I think, is when DraftKings – really burst onto the scene. I had done pretty well, was making a lot of money playing over there. And they started doing their own content site. It was called the DraftKings Playbook. So I was one of the first featured writers that they had over there when they first started, you know, kind of giving people information on daily fantasy and how to play and how to make money and how to do that. And then, um, you know, like I said, it just kind of rolled up. I used to do the a radio show for fantasy sports radio. And then, um, couple friends of mine came along and were putting together a company where you know we would basically be in charge of our own destiny and content and all that stuff and that's how I wound up over here at the elite network working for uh you know working for Tommy J so you know back in those days I mean people have been playing fantasy baseball especially I think forget betting on football we'll talk about that in a second but people have been playing fantasy baseball forever um and it was much more of a, I'm going to call it a poker alternative, if you will, right? So the same group that would typically have a poker night, you know, would get together once a year and they'd have this draft and they'd sit down, they'd do a fantasy draft 
And eventually that draft, from, from all I understanding, used to move to Vegas. Like guys used to have their fantasy drafts in Vegas. So it became a big thing. But for the most part, it was always a cottage industry, right? Like it was, it was the office pool. It wasn't big business. It wasn't big money. When did that change? When did we come into the world where fan, forget the, I don't want to talk about the betting side of it either for a second, but when did companies like really start getting into fantasy as a big deal? Like it's big business. I forget right at this second. It's ordinarily a really big business. When did that happen? It, you really started seeing it happen probably about 10 years ago or so. And um, what started happening at that point, like you said, most people were playing in what we call a friends and family league, right? You get a bunch of your buddies together, you know, your buddies from college, your buddies that you grew up with, a couple friends from the office, and you guys do a draft and you all have your fantasy teams and you're going there. Where things really started getting crazy is when they started putting big money behind this stuff. So there are actually fantasy drafts that are the same as the draft that you do with your friends and your family and your coworkers. But where the buy-in to these leagues are tens of thousands of dollars. So you're competing for prize pools where you're winning, you know, six figures, where you're, you're walking away with thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000. And just like anything else, you know, you're going, to attract, you're going to attract a certain type of person there, somebody who has money, somebody who's very technically analytic, who can go and, you know, figure out the little, the little intricacies of how you could better win the league. And then it kind of filters down from there. The people who are playing in the friends and family league they want to know those little tricks and tips that the guys playing for ten or twenty thousand dollars in these big leagues are doing, and there's just you know the industry kind of blew up from there, from guys playing to kind of explaining to new players how they play and being able to step up the ladder. But it's like anything else, wherever the money is, you know, it's like that old uh, Jesse James saying, "Why did he rob banks?" Because that's where the money was. It's the same thing with fantasy. The reason it blew up is because there was money there, and whenever there's money there to be won, people want to win it. What really kicked it into high gear is when they, they brought in the concept of daily fantasy, where instead of playing, you know, a, a fantasy baseball league, you have a draft, a fantasy football league, you have a draft for the entire season. Now you're drafting your team on a daily basis just based on what they're going to do in today's game or this weekend's game. And the money there got even bigger than the money in the season-long fantasy. And then, you know, that's how all that just kind of blew up and got to the point that we're at today. All right, so... I'm now fascinated because my understanding, I'm an idiot. My understanding was that you had the, you know, you had the friends and family. That's, that's become easier. When I first joined my first leagues, again, back in the eighties and nineties, the drafts would take place over, over, you'd have to set like either an in-person meeting or a telephone call, a long one to do the draft. Um, And then it merged to, to email. And then there were things like Budweiser or others who would step in and sponsor a tournament, if you will. So if you picked up the sporting news, or you picked up Sports Illustrated, uh, even in the early days of the web, you, you could sign on and, and Yahoo was doing it, right? Like Yahoo Fantasy Sports. Yep. But yep. there was never, a, I mean, even the Friends and Family League, the, what was the, like, on average, you think people were paying more than a hundred, two hundred, maybe three hundred dollars? No, the average buy-in is probably like fifty to a hundred bucks for most of these, to be honest. Right. So now, but so I knew that, and I know like the big, the big ones are typically free, right? Like the the Yahoo Sports ones, the ESPN ones are generally free. Mm-hmm. When did this? So you're telling me that people right now are playing in fantasy leagues 
where they're literally writing a check for 10 grand to get into play? Yeah, there's, so there's something called the NFBC. Um, it's the national fantasy baseball championship. Of course. So, <laughs> you know, they have, uh, they have drafts that are going on now, you know, now again, not everybody's playing in these $10,000 leagues. No, but no, no, it's fine. Their main, their main draft is a $1,500 buy-in one. It's called the main event. Yeah. And it's basically, I, I don't know the exact number, but we'll say 70 to a hundred different 10 person drafts going on. And then you not only play against the 10 people in your league, but you also part of that buy-in money that you put in goes to an overall pool for the overall most points that anybody in those hundred leagues scores. And you walk away with a prize of a hundred, dollars $150,000 in some of these leagues. There, there's that much money being thrown down there. Their main league, which is a smaller one, I want to say 20 to 50 people at most buy into that is uh, I think it's called the platinum league. And it's about $10,000 buy-in for one team. So just for one team, it's a, it's a $10,000 buy-in. But again, the guys you have playing in this league, you know, you're talking like hedge fund guys, guys that have had success in some of these leagues before they have feeder leagues from last season where, you know, everybody plays, you know, $500 and whoever wins the league wins their buy-in to this big league for a chance to win big money. But yeah, there are, I mean, no joke, even just on the NFBC site, you're probably playing for well over a million dollars in prizes every season. Yeah, the, the listen. The prize stakes aren't as surprising. It's the fact that people are actually. I just had no idea people were putting up, you know, serious money to actually do this. I, I had no, literally, no idea. Um, so back in the day, uh, I'm going to blow your mind with something real quick. Sure, go we ahead. We talked about the the explosion of from season long to daily fantasy. Yeah, I I know guys. I work with guys who are putting no joke, twenty to $40,000 a night on the line in some of these contests in fantasy. Come on. There's actually one guy who no longer is doing it, but was the guy who kind of ruled the, kind of ruled the, uh, the sites for a while, was playing upwards of $60,000, $70,000 a day during NFL, I mean, during NBA, NFL, and, uh, and Major League Baseball seasons. Okay, so this is clearly outside my area of expertise, and, and, and I hope the, the – you know, we, we do sports media here. So this is highly different, but we're in different times. So indulge me, if you will. Um, back in the day, I used to run a friends and family weekly NFL pool. No, not fantasy. This was full on just betting. Okay. And it was simple. You put a hundred bucks in, you had to pick a winner of every game every week based on the, the line in the Friday USA Today. The end of the year, the winner took the pot, less a hundred bucks. The person who came in dead last got their money back to keep them interested. So we were picking every game every week with a point spread. And, and some of us were pretty good at it. And at the time, if you'd watch like Berman and, and Jimmy the Greek and like all the quote unquote experts, on the TV and radio shows, like those guys were awful at it, like really awful at it. And they were handpicking the games they wanted to pick. How, are, are the guys that you're talking about, are they like really good at this stuff? Well, yeah, I mean, you're not going to be able to keep, see the idea, the idea behind it, we could, we could get into a two hour podcast just on this, but just <laughs> to give you guys the, the quick breakdown on it, it, it's just like sports betting, right? Like if you're a professional sports better, 
you know you're not going to win every bet. And if you're playing fantasy, you know you're not going to win every league you're in. You're not going to win every tournament that you enter. But you're looking to to make a percentage over time. And, you know, once Imagine you yourself. realize – Yeah, exactly. Like, you're, you're, you're trying to – you're trying to take advantage of the little edge that you have. And that's why some of these guys have gotten up to playing $60,000, $70,000. Cause if you can get yourself to a point where you say, if I enter these contests every day, I could grind out a 5% profit. Well, if you're only playing $10 a day over 30 days, you know, that's $300 you put in a 5% profit, you made 15 bucks. But for some of these guys, if they can edge out a 5% profit over 30 days while putting a hundred thousand dollars in or $20,000 in or $15,000 in, they're still making that same 5%, but now they're making that 5% on, you know, maybe a million dollars worth of entries that they put into tournaments, which means that they made $50,000 on it, doing the same thing that you did making 15. So that's what a lot of people do is they start out in the small stakes. And then once they realize, Hey, you know, I'm able to figure out how to, how to consistently edge out a small profit here, then it's just a matter of being able to scale it up. And that takes a while to do because, you know, you got to do it little by little, build up your bankroll till you start playing in bigger and bigger games. And, you know, eventually you get to a point where, uh, you know, you're, you're making a sizable amount of money where some of these guys don't even have another job. They basically just crunch numbers and build lineups and play fantasy sports all day. God, I can't imagine what they're doing today. <laughs> Most of them are trying to day trade and losing their shirt, to be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, like – Sports betting, uh, I get because typically you're trying to predict a winner and a loser. This is so much more. I mean, that's not what you're betting on when you play fantasy, right? Like you're you're for the most part, if I'm, unless I'm wrong, you are trying to predict performance of athletes in a in a in a given game or season, right? You there? You know, you know the guys that do a lot of sports betting. Yes. They have their they have their algorithms. Their algorithms spit out the numbers, and then they look at the numbers that are being spit out by their algorithms compared to the lines that are being offered by whatever book you're betting with. Right. With fantasy, it's the same thing. But here's what I I try to explain it to people who are into sports betting and not into fantasy. When you're doing the numbers for sports betting, you're looking at the team totals, right? Like you're trying to get the overall view on how many possessions per minute is this team going to have? How many points per 100 possessions are they going to score? You know, what's the defense on the other side? How much resistance are they going to put up? And you put all that together in your algorithm and it spits out a number for you. You compare that number to the Vegas line. That number that it spits out to you is really, though, a combination of what all the individual players on that team are going to do to help them get to that number. So the daily fantasy or the fantasy side of the entire equation is basically the same as the sports betting algorithms that a lot of these guys are using, except it goes one step further from the team total to go into the individual performances of each one of the players. But a lot of the concepts, a lot of the math, a lot of the stats that you look at are basically exactly the same. Yeah. It just, again, I, I'm flabbergasted. I'm shocked. I really had no idea the betting side. Listen, I got it. You go to, you go to a Vegas sports book, 12 months a year, you know, 24 hours a day, even without the ponies, people are betting on something. So I get it. I had no idea that granularity was happening in doesn't mean I don't understand. I just had no idea what was going on. Um, we're with uh, Benny Ricciardi here at uh, leaving the press row. He's from the elite fantasy network. Um, you know, we're all stuck at home, but you still want to be comfortable. 
and uh, here to talk to you about one of my favorite new companies and small business, so we should all try and support them. It is called uh, True Classic Tees. Um, True Classic Tees are my, my new favorite. They're based in LA. It's a t-shirt company. It's on the rise. The shirts are really soft, and when you're home lounging, you want soft. They hold up in the wash. They're versatile. And if you're not making your couple hundred grand a day playing Spanish fantasy sports, you got to watch the bottom dollar. So they're cheap. They're only 15 bucks. And right now, today, I have a deal for you because we all love a good deal. Uh, go to trueclassictees.com and use the code BLEAV at checkout. That's BLEAV. And you'll get 20% off at True Classic Tees right now. And I know Benny's writing that down because I can hear it in the background and he's going to go buy some t-shirts for him and his kids. Secondly, on topic, uh, while you're waiting at home uh, and guys like Benny and the people that follow, the cult following that he has, with no NBA, NHL, or Major League Baseball, you're probably wondering what there is actually to bet on other than which of your kids is going to let you down by not doing the dishes that night. So... There are actually things to bet on. You can bet on mixed martial arts, American Idol, the elections, the spelling bee, and yes, the $750,000 poker series. There's lots of fun to have. You can go to betonline.ag and use the promo, promo code MYPOD100. That's M-Y-P-O-D, the number 100, to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100. Bet online, the fun never ends, even in Corona. So, are there, um, are there like, what was the guy's name from? Are there like the Billy Bean book, if you will, for fantasy sports, like a certain tactic or a certain algorithm that people like use as the Bible, or does everyone kind of have their own secretive methodology? I would say everyone's algorithms are a little different, but they're all based on the same concepts for the most part. You know, I mean, what you're really trying to do with any kind of, you know, predictive analytics and especially with sports is, you know, you're trying to predict something that's unpredictable. So your algorithm, you know, is basically just trying to cut through all the noise and get to the important stats that are the ones that kind of tend to dictate what the final score for certain games are. And that's really what it comes down to. It's so like, for example, let's take baseball as a, as a good example here. Most people will look and say, oh, this team is playing that team or whatever. Most savvy sports bettors and, and definitely guys who are savvy in the daily fantasy industry will know this. 80% of the results for a baseball game are really come down to the pitching. You know, if you have a stud pitcher on the mound for one team, doesn't matter if he's facing a good lineup or a bad. Well, I shouldn't say it doesn't matter. It definitely matters. But if you have a good pitcher on the mound, most of the time, the things are going to work out the way they normally work out for that good pitcher. He's not going to go out there and give up 10 runs in three innings. It's usually not the way it works out. He usually goes out there and gives you a solid seven or eight innings or whatever he normally gives you. And that has a lot to do with the winning. So when you're doing an algorithm, whether it's a sports betting algorithm or, or something that you're going to use for fantasy as well, you're going to have more weight put on the pitcher that's going up against the lineup that you're facing. Now, different people, based on the numbers that they're looking at, might weigh that a little differently. But most good algorithms are going to have – most good baseball algorithms are going to have the starting pitcher of the 
of the team heavily weighted into what the outcome of the game is going to be. So there is no one magic bullet. I can't sit here and tell you, Jonah, the only stat you got to look at to win in this sport or that sport is this. It's really trying to get rid of a lot of the noise, some of the stats that, you know, don't really matter as much. Right. And getting rid of them to concentrate on the ones that do, and then, you know, having good inputs that go into it. So I asked this question of another guy who uh, I had on the show talking about betting as we got close to the Super Bowl. So again, you know, you used to hear these guys on the radio, you know, with their triple double bubble picks every Friday, you know, guaranteed winner, blah, 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 blah. Um, all that I know was, was mitigation. So they would take X number of calls, give them one pick, and then they would go to a certain number of calls and give them the opposite pick, if you will, uh, to, to balance things out. And, you know, the winners would make a lot of money. The losers, they would have to, uh, pay their money back or whatever. So, so I get all of that. Um, are people using um, tool, like if Joe Public wanted to get their hands on an algorithm because they're not a math guy, I'm not talking about me, I don't have enough time, but are there like services or experts or products that people can subscribe to and use uh, to try and mitigate their risk when they do this? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's basically what our company does on the sports betting side. You know, we have an algorithm that we back tested and, you know, kind of got rid of as much of the noise as we can and kept the important things and, you know, tried to weight them as well as we could and back tested it to the point where it's been able to generate profit for us in the various sports that we offer it for. And if anybody wants to check it out, I mean, you can go over to EliteSportsBetting.com. I actually have here, I got something special for this show for you today. We had our tech guy, Rusty, who we all love over at the company, actually um, came down with the coronavirus, you know, is, is on his way to recovering right now. Thankfully, he's going to work out well. So as a joke, we put in a, uh, a promo code. So anybody who wants to check out the company, go to EliteSportsBetting.com, use the promo code RustyLives. RustyLives is the promo code, and you can go and check out everything that we have on the site. You know, it's a free week over there. But basically, what we do is exactly what you're saying is, you know, we put our, we, we plug in the inputs for the games for every day into our algorithm for the various sports. And it gives us, you know, what, what our algorithm spits out should be the final score of the game. And then what we do is we take whatever that score that our algorithm gives us and we compare it to the lines that Las Vegas is offering. So let's say, for example, we got a, a basketball game and the, the total that our algorithm gives us is 240. And, you know, team A is favored, you know, the Raptors are favored over the Lakers by two points. So we'll look at the Vegas line. If the Vegas line is 237 and we have 240, that's a, you know, three point edge that we would have to the over. So that would be something that would be something we would bet on. If it says that, you know, the Lakers should win by one and, you know, the Raptors are favored by two, then we would have a bet on the Lakers side of it. Now, here's how you know whether or not somebody is a true sports better or whether they're kind of BSing you along the lines of what you were saying. Anytime you hear somebody who says guaranteed to win, picking <laughs> 90% winners, you know, we win 10 out of 11 bets that we put in or something like that. Anybody could get hot and go on a streak that way. But guys who are professional betters, guys who are doing it by the numbers, guys who are doing what we're doing, you know, plugging numbers into algorithms, back testing and things like that. You're looking for like 55 to 60% winners. So Here's what I can tell people. I'm going to lose a lot, but I'm not going to lose more than half the time. 
which means that over the long haul, we're going to be able to grind out a profit. And that's basically what it's working on. So when you see sites or when you see, you know, services that'll say, we win all the time, guaranteed winners, you know, 100 and 0, we're up 10,000, 10 million units. You know that that's all kind of BS. When you see guys who have winning percentages in the, you know, the high 50s, maybe even low 60%, guys that are edging out and kind of, you know, grinding out a profit, those are the guys that are actually doing the work and, and whose advice you can listen to because it's going to be sustainable over the long term. Right. And I imagine, I'm, I haven't been to the site, but I would imagine that you have varying degrees of confidence on various things to bet on so that you're not betting on everything. And if that Raptor Laker game that you referenced, you are fairly confident on this, the recommendation would be to bet more money on that and less money on a game that you're less certain on. Is that right? Yeah. So here's a good way to, to kind of explain it to people out there who are kind of new to the sports betting world. If there are 15 games in a night, probably 12 of them are a hard pass for us. Our numbers are going to be almost exactly the same as what Vegas is offering. Cause this is how Vegas comes up with the lines too, or whatever sports book you're betting on. You know, this is how they come up with their lines too. They use an algorithm that looks at a lot of the same things that our algorithms look at and they come up with the numbers. So most days our totals are, you know, spreads that we're kicking out on our, on our algorithm are going to be basically the same as Vegas. So what we're looking for is where there's a difference, right? And the difference, depending on how big the difference is, will depend on our confidence on whatever bet it is. So just as an example for you, there's a difference between a three-point spread in a game with a 240 total and a three-point spread in a game with a, you know, 205 total. Because in one game, you're going to get a lot more points. In the other game, you're going to get a lot less. So if we have a three-point edge in one way or another, they're going to be weighted differently. And, you know, again, we take all that into account when we're, when we're going through here, but what you're really looking for is to play your biggest edges. And I would even go so far as to say, like you said, you're going to bet more money on the ones you really like and less money on the ones you don't like. I would even go so far as to say the ones you don't like are the ones where you don't have a big edge. You don't even bet them at all. You just look for those biggest edges that you have because even on your biggest edges, you're still going to lose some of those bets. But again, if you're using a good algorithm that's been back-tested and, you know, the, the inputs going into it are good, over the long term, you're going to win more often than you lose. And that's really what it's about. The more 50-50 kind of games you play, the worse your return is going to be over the long term. Right. But so even, even my, my point was, if you had, say, a $500 budget, and of the 15 games, you were only paying three, I would imagine that the wise better would look at the three and say, rank them one, two, and three in terms of probability of success on those three. And you may not split your 500 bucks equally. You may, you may uh, hedge it based on your, your comfortable or you know, likelihood of success on even those three rated against the other two. Yeah, I, I would, like I said, I would even go so far as to say you go all in on the big one. Gotcha. You know, if you have three that you like, if there's one that you love because you feel right. that the edge is big enough, why even, why even bother putting money on something that's a, a 55-45 chance when you have something that you think is a 65-35 chance? Right. And that's basically what we do is we try to, we try to show people the 65-35 chance. Because think about it, even if you're just doing simple math, the 65-35 chance still means you're losing one out of three times when you that's make right. that. So just to be clear, though, on your, is your site a – 
for, for a lot, is it a, a handicapping site or is it an actual betting site or both? Actually booking the bets. We're the ones who give you guys all the information, all the numbers, all the data okay. that points you to one, one site or the other on the sports betting side. Gotcha. You know, again, on the fantasy side, we go a step further and actually break the players down individually. So if you're looking to do any fantasy sports, you know, you get the same kind of data analysis and breakdown, but for individual players, as opposed to team versus team, like you use for the sports better. All right. So for the slow ones out there, why don't you give that URL and code one more time? Yeah. So the sports betting site is elitesportsbetting.com. And remember, if you're signing up over there, use the promo code Rusty Lives for our buddy Rusty, who is going to live through his coronavirus experience. Um, and then again, if you're looking to do fantasy, elitefantasy.com is our daily fantasy site. So if you play DraftKings or FanDuel, that's the place you want to go. Um, fantasyguru.com is our season-long fantasy site. So if you're in a league, like you said, Jonah, with a bunch of your buddies playing uh, fantasy football, fantasy baseball, season-long style, the Fantasy Guru site's the one you really want to go to. And if you guys want to take your uh, take your shots at some of that big money in the the NFBC, the National Fantasy Baseball, or the National Fantasy Football Championship, that's the place where you guys should be looking to get that information too. And on average, what does it cost to, what's a membership cost? Is it yearly, monthly, weekly? How does it work? Uh, yeah, I mean, we have all kinds of packages and, and the ones for the different sports, they're all different here. But I'd say on average, you're probably looking at like 20, 30 bucks a month for something like that, maybe 200, 300 for the year. Um, which is, you know, like 20 or 25 bucks a month, a little bit less than buying it month by month, depending on which sports you're doing. Some guys, we have guys, especially on the sports betting side, that would have signed up for each one of our packages. And if you're going to sign up for all of them, you're, you're better off just signing up for the year. But what, what I tell everybody, like I said, use that free promo code, go over there, check it out for a week. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of sports that you'll be able to see <laughs> the, the bet by bets going in on a daily basis. Right now, I think we're down to... MMA, esports, and horse racing at the moment, but you'll be able to see how the site works and how we go through everything and see all the, you know, the numbers and the optimizers and the algorithm that we put into everything there that, uh, you know, has been spitting out the winners along with the results that we have too. So we sit here on April 2nd, the day after my birthday. Um, nothing is going on right now. So we should be in the, in the beginning, I think, we're pretty close to the end of the, I should say, the NBA and the NHL season. Major League Baseball should be in full swing now. Like we should have passed opening day everywhere. Yep. Uh, the NFL draft is supposed to take place in a couple of weeks. What's your degree of confidence, if any, that we'll see? Let's start with basketball and hockey. What do you think for the rest of this season? on here about about hockey but let's go to basketball right now i don't think there's going to be anybody in any stadiums watching basketball games played if they decide to restart this season i'm not I, i'm assuming and i'm hoping maybe that for 2021 season that'll be different but if they do decide to restart the nba season it's going to be in some kind of empty gym okay you know it's just going to be players and referees and coaches and you know, the, the personnel that has to be there. Yep. I could see them doing that for basketball more than I could see them doing it for hockey based on the point that you were saying in the, in the pre-show when we were talking. You know, basketball would have a very big following, especially with everybody sitting home with nothing to do right now, would have a very big following on television. 
every one of those games could be televised. You could sell advertising for every one of those games. It would be must-watch TV. I mean, people right now are going nuts over ESPN and that Michael Jordan thing that they're supposed to be coming out with because there is literally nothing sports-wise to watch on TV. We're watching reruns of the, you know, 1983 NCAA tournament and the Miracle on Ice, uh, you know, finals in the USA and, you know, games, NBA games from 2005 and things like that. That's basically all we have at the moment to watch. So if the NBA came back, I think it would be a big deal. I think it would draw a lot of viewers and I think it would be good. The point that you brought up with hockey is that a lot of the revenue for hockey really comes from the fans that are actually showing up to the game. So you can have an empty arena NBA game where they'd still be able to monetize that and make it worth it. I don't know if we'd be able to do that same thing for hockey because hockey doesn't draw the same kind of, you know, view, um, viewership on television or the same kind of advertising dollars where they would be able to, you know, pay the players and really make it worth their while. Yeah, I mean, the audience in Canada basically would be huge on television. Don't get me wrong. The difference is that that bottom number that the, that the broadcast, in this case Rogers, in, this, in Canada is paying to the NHL to broadcast games. It's good for the end, but it, it's minuscule compared to the NBA. So the NBA, just by turning the lights on and putting cameras, starts generating revenue again back to the teams. That's, that, you know, in terms of ball related revenue, that number. In the end, it's not the gate number audience on TV. It's number that even at a percent that number remains so low that coop that number that the hockey revenue number isn't going to move to justify yeah i mean you know and it, it's the same for a lot of sports i mean other than maybe the nba mlb and the nfl i don't know if any other sports would be able to survive without having the the gate receipts coming in so Things like the MLS, things like the WNBA, you know, even a lot of college sports outside of maybe like NCAA basketball, NCAA football. It just doesn't make sense to do any of that stuff now because you're just not going to be able to make the revenue because you don't have those big, huge TV contracts on it. So I see no reason why they would kind of push some of those sports. I mean, listen, even baseball makes a decent amount of money on gate revenue with 160 games throughout the year. That's part of the reason why baseball decided to hold off on it too, because they didn't want to give up that revenue. Right. So, I, I mean, I think the first gate is they've got to find a way to rapidly test people on demand. So you have to believe that all players would have have to have already tested negative to contemplate a game, but you got to believe they have to have like an on-demand test to administer as guys are walking into a stadium, uh, an arena, before the game, including the referees and the coaches and the training staff, before they would let anyone in to actually play that game. So until, and that had instant results. So until that happens, I don't think it's happening. Uh, and then it has to go even a step easier for fans to be able to come back. And they basically are going to have to guarantee that nobody has it is sitting in a stadium before fans are really going to come back in droves. That's my opinion. That's why I think you're right. I think the NBA could come back. Uh, I'm not sure whether they will or they won't, but I certainly think they could. I don't think the NHL can. And uh, until we have rapid 
tests being deployed and available with instant results, I think it's going to be very challenging. Yeah, well, I mean, just look at how the NBA basically pulled the plug on the season, right? I mean, they were on the floor getting ready to start a game when somebody came running out from, you know, from the from the, the back of the arena and came running out to the floor and basically told the coaches and the referees that, you know, Rudy Gobert just, they just found out his test was positive. Next thing you know, they're sending the fans home. The entire Utah Jazz team is quarantined in a room. I mean, that's the concern when you restart something like this to, to go along with what you said, Jonah. I mean, if they don't have a way to test all these guys and make sure that everyone they're letting into the arena and out onto that floor is, you know, has the antibodies or, or is free of the virus, I mean, it only takes one guy to get it and you're going to be in such close proximity that everybody on both teams is going to get it. And then if they go play another team the next day or, you know, I mean, that's how you, uh, you know, that's how you get the fast spread of this thing. So I, I hate to say it, but, you know, as somebody who's, you know, basically business and revenue are based on sporting events being played, I think we got a little bit of downtime here that uh, before we're going to see any of that happen. He is Benny Ricciardi. He is with the Elite Fantasy Network. Uh, this has been really, really interesting. I hope that uh, when they turn the lights back on, we can get together again. We can actually talk about some real examples as opposed to just fiction ones with the Raptors beating the Lakers. Um, this has been really great. I've learned a ton. I am enthused and more anxious now and eager, I should say, for the games to come back. And I really appreciate you doing this with us today. So whenever we do get games back, you can uh, pencil me in for when you're looking for a guest and we'll come back and actually have some, some more exciting things to talk to your guest about here. Well, I hope uh, Rusty gets better soon. I hope nobody else within your company or your family gets it. And I hope everyone stays home and stays safe. And we will talk to you next time on the Believe in the Press Row. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.